Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the Catherine B. Roy Show, where passion meets profit and dreams turn into flourishing businesses. I'm your host, Catherine B. Roy. I'm thrilled to introduce you to extraordinary high achievers, Nobel Peace Prize and Emmy winners, Premier League and NFL players, best-selling authors, seven-figures business owners, coaches, consultants, therapists, and a plethora of brilliant minds. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to making our world a better place. Expect inspiration, practical tools, and positivity. But that's not all. In the spirit of growth, don't forget to explore the valuable resources shared in the episode description. Whether you're here to learn or collaborate, this podcast has something special just for you. My guest today is Vladimir Maric. Vladimir graduated in media practices with television studies at Bedfordshire University in Luton, Great Britain. He spent most of his career in sales and distribution of consumer products, working in managerial positions at Procter & Gamble. The manufacturer of well-known brands such as Ariel, Lenore, Gillette and Pampers. He established the London office of the well-known producer of point-of-sale material and launched their business in the UK market, working with clients such as Google, Philips, Dyson and JTI. He is currently employed at the largest distributor of consumer goods in Europe, where he manages the business category of teas for the markets of 18 countries, worth over 35 million euros. Vladimir is a great advocate of social entrepreneurship and digital transformation. He dedicated five years of his career to the development of social entrepreneurship and on women's entrepreneurship development projects. So far, he has helped over 300 entrepreneurs to develop their business models and open new markets. Together with several consulting firms, he worked on conducting assessments and creating digital transformation plans for micro and small businesses. Vladimir is an active trainer on social entrepreneurship and business model development. Welcome to Catherine Bureau's show. Vladimir, I'm so grateful to have you here tonight. How are you today? I'm feeling good after a long working day. I'm feeling very good and I'm really glad to be here with you. It's my pleasure. I promise this is going to be a joyful conversation. Um, we actually met on one of the greatest events, if I may say so. It was United Nations Women Event Expo 2023. And you were one of the, by my personal opinion, greatest uh, speakers who taught us a lot in just short one hour or two hours. And I couldn't wait to invite you to join me on this podcast. Uh we were talking about pricing uh, in different businesses, and um, I encountered that a lot of business owners struggle with this topic. Shall we start with the fact that we all make mistakes? And what do you believe are the common mistakes when we tend to price our services or products? Well, thank you for inviting me first, um, and I um, say a big welcome to your audience who's listening to this podcast and watching it. Um, well, the biggest mistake that usually, um, uh, it's mainly startups that actually make it, but also companies well into their product development phase, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes even uh, into um, far into their sales phase, uh, that make is actually forming the price, the way they actually do it. Mm -hmm. uh, very often companies um, 
find out what is the cost of producing a certain product or a service, they multiply it by three and mm -hmm. they decide, okay, this is going to be my selling price. Um, and then they uh, go out to the market and then the reality hits them. And That's the reality true. is actually that there are so many other things you have to calculate into your product or service price. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was one interesting example about the perfume cost, if I remember well, and how the price is actually formed. And I, I couldn't imagine the price is actually of the production so low, but something else increased it drastically. Would you like to share a little bit about that example, please? Sure. So I like to use the example of the perfume, which usually costs around... $80, $90, a kind of a bit more of a medium range perfume. And majority of people think that the actual product inside is so valued that probably it costs around $50 to $60 and then everything else is kind of, you know, mm -hmm. somebody's margin or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Well, when we actually break down the price of a perfume and its actual value chain, we get to the uh, conclusion that the cost of the actual uh, perfume water of the of the actual liquid inside the <laughs> bottle it's only one dollar seventy. <laughs> everything else in this bottle that we just paid eighty five dollars is goes to somebody else. <laughs> um, sometimes even the packaging is more expensive than the actual perfume inside, you know. And we actually take care not to spend too much of it. You know, it's very valuable. Um, some some famous person is putting it on their uh, body, on their skin. And therefore, you know, we have the privilege of having this really expensive perfume on us, whereas in fact, it only costs around less than $2. Mm -hmm. um, so a good part of the actual value um, chain of the of how the price is formed um, is taken firstly by the general costs of producing the product and delivering it, paying for people who are actually going to sell it because mm -hmm. we have to have active sales to make mm -hmm. sure that it's selling. Uh, we pay a very good part of the price for marketing. Mm -hmm. So I like to say that every time we pay for an expensive, expensive perfume, we actually put around $20, $30 into some famous person's pocket mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. they get paid from this marketing budget to be the ambassador of the brand and the money literally ends up in their pocket. Um, then we also, a, a good part of the money also stays with the actual retailer who is selling the product for us because they have a huge cost of running their business, of running their stores. Um, there are the salespeople inside the stores. There's the utility bills, the rent, um, and everything else. And they have to pay it from somewhere. And guess who's paying for it? You know, it's us. Every time we start through um, to pay for a perfume, we've actually paid their costs as well. Mm -hmm. So the value chain is very long. A lot of costs have to go into this. And many businesses forget to include them when they do their price. Uh, price targeting mm -hmm. i have to say <laughs> my favorite perfume it's my show i can tell that <laughs> it's, mm. <laughs> it's just... well, let's go into how much it costs to produce but i'm sure it's uh it's not more than two dollars yeah it is <laughs> it's Jador by Dior and um, the minimum price is on the market like 120 euros right and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Charlize Theron 
it's costing me fact, more than around the first third of what you pay in the store for it will stay with the store with the company that runs the store and people who work there which is why when we go into a cosmetics or a perfume store we're usually greeted by people who are trying to sell us not only one but more products you know to to have a better um margin and a better profit for the store so mm-hmm. um you know, it's not like you go shopping for flour or oil where the margins are very small that somebody will come and try and persuade you to buy more. But uh, although there are techniques for this as well, but um, perfume is one um, category where, you know, the store, um, um, the salespeople inside the store will actually work with you to sell you uh, a more expensive product. Of course, <laughs> that's their job. But what are the forces which determine the price? the good price of a service or a product on the market? Um, I like to call it the right price. So the product, when it leaves, uh, when it gets to the shelf or the shopper to buy, mm-hmm. um, needs to be at the right price. And mm-hmm. there are quite a few forces coming, I like to say, from the bottom. So they're pushing the price up. Mm-hmm. But there are also forces which are pushing the price down. So trying to make it a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, The forces which are pushing the price up, it's obviously the production cost. Um, On top of this, we have to have a transport cost because from the point of where the product is produced to the actual store, there's a whole chain of delivery that needs to be, that needs to also pay its costs. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes these are distribution companies, sometimes these are just delivery companies, but they have to get their part of the cost inside this price of the product. Um, after that, you have you have to think of your salespeople. So this is again pushing the cost up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not only their salaries. You have their cars. You have the tools they use at the, at work. They have internet subscription, software subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to pay f- um, for people's maternity leave. A lot of costs you have to take into account to be able to cover it because nobody else is going to pay for it. You know, unless you have a stream of money coming in from somebody who doesn't care how you spend it. Mm-hmm. Um, then after this, um, you also have to think about the margin of the retailer that we've just spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think about marketing. Um, you also have to think about uh, promotions, which are also pushing the, the price of the product up. Because, you know, today you go into a store and you see... Tide detergent, or you see uh, a shampoo which mm-hmm. costs ten dollars. Um, tomorrow or two weeks later, it's five dollars. You know, only for a limited time period. Mm-hmm. Whereas we might think that um, this is a good offer for us. We've actually already, in a way, paid for this promotion before by buying the product at the full price, because the full price already includes some money being put aside for promotions like that one. Mm-hmm. So um, we are actually, by buying all these products and, and brands, we are actually financing these promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of this, there is something that I usually ask all the businesses to do, which is to add an error margin in their calculations. So put 2 or 3% aside for things like, you know, a truck overturns and you lose a lot of inventory or you have a flood in your warehouse. If you don't have insurance, for sure, you'll have nowhere to pay it from, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all these forces push the price up pretty significantly. Um, there are forces that push it down, things like uh, value for money. 
um, the competition, you have to think about, you know, who else is selling a similar product or a product that does the similar function mm -hmm. and at what price. And you also have to think about um, something that is called the cash outlay. So how much does my targeted shopper, how much money do they have in the pocket for this kind of a product that I'm trying to sell? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are a lot of things, actually, especially when we talk about the product-based business. It looks like it's a little bit simpler when we talk about service-based business, but it just looks like that because now on the global market, we need so many tools to build funnels, to build websites, to use email marketing, to use digital marketing strategies, to use virtual assistants, Salesforce, whatever. There, there are a lot of time and, and money invested in creating a digital product. The only thing I see it's a little bit easier is that you don't have to produce it over and over again, right? But uh, the trend which I noticed is, and I personally have very strong personal brand on the global market, and that was the um, initiation by one of my mentors, which started working with me a long time ago. But everyone now, if I may say so, are focusing on a personal brand and building credibility, which unfortunately also can be both, right? We can pay for the media outlets these days. Um, and uh, there is a lack of value uh, behind that. Now, you know, there is like a matrix or a puzzle. Um, on one side, there is a value. On the other side, there is a price. And on the third side, there is a high-level personal brand which doesn't stand for the quality. So how can we healthy position ourselves, for example, in the service-based business? Because in my audience, there are a lot of coaches, consultants, therapists, and these kinds of businesses. And actually be who we truly are with the level of personal brand, which is in alignment with the value where actually there is a saturated market with so many digital products, which are very low cost and unfortunately very low value. Yes, I guess the, the solution here is to find a niche, mm -hmm. uh, to find something that is targeted, that has a well-targeted audience. And for this audience to order, to, to actually provide the real value. And there are three values that people appreciate today. Um, one is the functional value, which basically means that the product or the service we pay has to do the job. So whatever we intended that this product needs to do for us, it has to do it. Mm -hmm. If we buy a pack of matches mm -hmm. that are... Um, Uh, and we cannot use them anymore, then we will never probably buy this brand again. Um, so it has to do its function. And this is the first thing that um, we need to prove that we will do the function that we that the consumer is paying for. If this is a good quality of device, we have to then have testimonials, but real life testimonials, not, you know, um, uh, just... Uh, web page template from somewhere with made up names and, and similar yeah um, i saw that we too. should also have so obviously <laughs> so <laughs> the first time we do we, we finish um um advising a client 
we should immediately ask for that testimonial and this should be in our in our digital channels with a very clear link to their LinkedIn profile or something similar. So this, I would say, is the first and the most important thing that people can see that somebody somewhere received this functional value out of this service. The second one is an emotional value. Mm-hmm. And this usually comes at a different level of valorization. It, it can be a cultural it can be gender-based. There are all different kinds of things people like to associate themselves with. Um, you know, I usually like to give an example of, of a fire lighter. So um, if you buy a simple big fire lighter, it'll probably cost you a dollar. Uh, but if you buy a branded fire lighter under the Eiffel Tower in Paris, whilst you were there on your honeymoon, then you are ready to pay, you know, $10 for this because <laughs> especially women. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, men also have for this, you know, and it's the next actually great um, of, of fire lighters, which you're ready to pay 30 euros for. And I like to say, okay, perhaps for a woman, it would be um, a Versace um, red uh, shiny fire lighter for a man it might be a, a football club a soccer club uh, branded fire lighter you know of their favorite soccer club so um and this is the self-expressionist value that somebody needs out of a service or a product of or a product and um, what is it what it means is that by showing somebody that you've used this service with a certain brand or a person you are actually uh, expressing yourself and showing off in a way, you know, uh, when people use a, 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 a an iMac or, or, or any Apple product, you know, if you see people putting on a photo on Instagram um, using a, an Apple product, they will usually turn the product so that you can see the, the Apple on the, they like to send a message that they use this brand because it has certain values. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in the digital world. It's the same with services. You know, if a certain um, person you're working with or, or a service you're buying uh, digitally uh, is helping um, homeless or, or somebody else, then again, for you, it can be either emotional or a self-expressionist value because you'll put up um, a status on Facebook or uh, Instagram or LinkedIn to say that you just purchased goods from a company that helps homeless people and it makes you look good. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this is how the world works today, that you have to put it on the on the social networks to make sure that people know that you're a good person. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. This is the added, where the added value is coming from and where you can differentiate uh, your product or a service. But uh, it's it's um, like for us, uh, and and I know you helped a lot of businesses. Uh, I worked with so many clients in usually service based businesses, and we we can recognize uh, these things when you know someone is truly doing what they say they will do and they deliver, and when someone is just showing off. But that's I I believe um, you know we look at the business from our perspective, but what I believe truly matters is looking at our business 
from the perspective of our client and our customer who should be in the first uh, in the first line of that. So I'm asking my clients often, you know, they give me the feedback. I fix things and try to deliver better. Um, do we have to consider the client limitations or willingness to invest in something when we are thinking about pricing? Because from one side, there are all these elements which you just mentioned, but from the other side, there is a perspective of a client and how the clients see the value in what we can deliver to them, regardless if it is physical or or a service product. What about clients' limitations? How we can actually do the market research and and be aware of that so we can position that price right? Well, I think what I always recommend to people who are, for, for instance, producing uh, physical products um, is if you want to launch in a certain market, go to this market, spend you know two or three days walking the stores, go into this category where uh, this product is being sold and have a look at who has the highest share on shelf. Um, and it's the same in, in, in digital, you know, who has the, the highest share of voice. Uh, try and find out who's out there, who's popular, have a look at what they're doing, how they're priced. Um, and if they have the highest share, um, either on shelf or share of voice on uh, in digital, then for sure their pricing strategy is relevant to the market and they've hit the gold spot, right? So it's up to you now to it's up to everybody now to find for their product where is this sweet spot for the for the product. Um, what a lot of companies do is that they develop either products or services at three different levels, mm -hmm. so that obviously to test. Um, what works best with the consumers, what is their cash outlay, how much money they've come to spend in this category today, and then figure out which one works best. Um, often they'll either get rid of the other two categories or very often they'll leave them there just so that the consumer can say, if it's in the middle, if it's, if it's the middle price they pick, they can say, okay, I've decided not to buy the cheapest, but I will never pay this much money for the most expensive one. So they stay with the middle price and they leave these two other prices there just to remind them that there is a cheaper and a more expensive product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's that's one of the smartest strategies, actually, uh, at least for what, what was shown to me from, from my experience, to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, maybe you know focusing on the on a higher level, but never to overprice. It's better to over deliver, by my opinion, than to overprice something. And you know, I am not so fan of going on the low price. Although you know, marketers in the digital marketing they advise us that we need to have low price products, which is okay. I will launch one in January. <laughs> we will see how that's going to work. But uh, we need to stay in our own lane and to do our to to, to play the game by um, you know the niche and dependence on the market that we are on. Uh, I know you helped a lot of businesses. Would you like to share a little bit uh, who you can help, how they can reach out to you if they would like to work with you, and um, actually how you can help them? 
Sure. So, um, yes, I worked with a lot of businesses, mac uh, micro businesses. So people who are just literally starting from one or two uh, products or services. I worked with the small businesses. So these are businesses up to 100 employees. And I also worked with some medium sized businesses, not to mention my career where I worked with a, a lot of big brands and um, companies. Um, they can always reach out to me to have them put together their go-to-market strategy because the go-to-market strategy also defines your pricing approach in each of the channels where you are going to sell. Um, and this is a kind of, I like to call it almost like a Bible. It's something you put on a paper. It's in a tabular form. It's only one A4 sheet of paper. You put it on the wall and every day you come to work for everything that you do, you look at this and you check whether what you are actually doing now is in line with your go-to-market strategy. Because many small businesses and startups, they get carried away by doing hundreds of things which basically don't contribute to building their business. So um, I can help a lot with this. I can also help with establishing the value chain for their pricing so that they can get to some um, at least um, uh, highest and lowest a price mark where they should work and test with with the consumers or the shoppers uh, on how to find this this right spot for the price. Um, I can also help them um, with their uh, entrance into the foreign markets uh, with basic advice what what they need to prepare, what they need to be ready for, what they need to have uh, already um, kind of. Uh, uh, cooked together, starting from the price, from certain documents they have to have with them and so on. Um, anybody who wishes to work with me, they can always find me on LinkedIn. So Vladimir Marek. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm also here on Gmail, vladimir.marek at gmail.com. So mm -hmm. more than welcome. I, I, I will leave the info in the description and in the comments. So they will have an option. Uh, thank you so much for being my guest and thank you for that wonderful uh, lesson that you gave us uh, a month ago. It was truly, truly valuable. I truly, truly enjoyed both of these times and I hope you did too now. Thank you. I did as well. Thank you very much for inviting me and uh, I wish you good luck with the rest of your work. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another inspiring episode of The Catherine B. Roy Show. Remember, the journey doesn't end here. Dive into the episode description to access additional resources and connect with me, Catherine B. Roy. Whether it's business growth, personal development, or simply making the world a better place, we're in this together. Subscribe, write a review for The Catherine B. Roy Show. Share it with your loved ones and stay tuned for more remarkable guests and valuable insights. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams and turning your passions into thriving businesses. This is Catherine B. Roy, signing off. <laughs>